Hello, Be Inspired audience. I am here today once again as part of the uh, season of primary elections. I'm here today with two candidates for Boyertown School District Region 2. I'm here with Lisa Hogan and Joe Pat- help me. Pachoni. Pachoni. I was going to say that, Joe. <laughs> But I have to practice. Anyway, from Region 2. And Region 2, tell me, Lisa, you've been on the board for uh, four? Four years. Four years. Okay. Region 2 is the borough of Boyertown. And? So, yeah, we just, um, it changed a little bit. Yeah. We just redistricted it. Yeah. So, it's the borough of Boyertown and, and part of Gilbertsville. And part of Gilbertsville. Now, are you, one of you is a two-year or four-year? No, we're both four-year seats. Both four years. Yep. This is a pretty important election for the direction of the school board. But before we get there, I want to know a little bit about you. So, Lisa, are you born and raised in Boyertown? Tell me, tell me a little bit about who you are. Okay. So, I am not born and raised in Boyertown. I moved here in 20, I want to say 17. Um, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. My father was wow. a Philadelphia firefighter. He's retired. Um, when we moved up here, he came with us. Mm-hmm. So um, he, myself, and my children uh, now live together. I'm a single mom. Okay. Um, yeah. And I have four children, two who graduated from Boyertown. Wow. Um, one was 2018, the other in 2019. My 2019, year, my 2019 graduate played football for the Bears. Okay. So, yeah. And then I have a sophomore and a fifth grader. Wow. Yeah. You've been a busy lady. I have been. And before I go any farther, and I've said this to you when you walked in today, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you for your service. Because I I just I I just admire people with your willingness to do school board business because it seems to me such a thankless job sometimes and so time consuming. For how much money do you make? None. No. <laughs> I think that's really amazing. At any rate, um, so you were raised in Philadelphia. I was raised in Philadelphia. And tell me a little bit about, like, when you were in high school, what did you think you, did you think you would be a school board member when you were in high school? So I didn't even know there were school board members when I was in high school. Um, but I've always been interested in politics. Um, really? Yeah, since, like, the early 90s. I mean, I was born in 1978, so oh. I was, you know, around like 12 years old, I was already interested in politics, and um, I always make a joke that I was like the Alex P. Keating of my household because I... Oh my gosh. I was uh, much more Republican-minded, and my family were all Democrats. Um, no kidding. Yeah, so I, um, you know, when I could register, um, mm-hmm. I registered... And I started voting. I've missed very few elections since yeah. then. I've worked, um, I volunteered on mayoral campaigns. Um, wow. I've been, you know, I've supported candidates actively. There. My son used to, for, for maybe about a year when he was like in kindergarten and first grade, he had an Alex P. Keaton outfit <laughs> and wore it every day to school. I mean, a little <laughs> button-down blue Oxford button-down shirt with pit <laughs> Hi. That's so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. See? He doesn't look like that today. Yeah. Anyway, 
Good. Good. Yeah. So, so when I was um, in high school, I was really wanted. I was really looking to um, maybe be a lawyer or a okay. psychologist, and I was really kind of torn between the two. Um, but I actually didn't end up going to college right out of high school. So I got married, and I had my first baby at twenty one. My wow. second at twenty two. Um, and then my the two I have now, I was a little older. Yeah. Um, but I was very young when yeah. I had when I had my children and or two of them at least. <laughs> <laughs> now always interested in politics. So, you know, they say at Thanksgiving dinners you should never talk about religion and politics, but did you? I always I disagree with that a hundred percent. I think that we should always be talking about issues that are important to um to us personally, important to our democracy. I just think that those conversations you have to make a commitment to be civil and to respect wow. that people come from different places and it doesn't make them wrong and, it, and your opinion doesn't make you right. You know, this is about finding consensus and building consensus. Wow. Yeah, that's what democracy is. It's a compromise. Well, it's funny. I was watching some sort of TV program. I watch a lot of junk TV. <laughs> but um, on one of the programs just last night, you know, somebody referred to negotiation and, you know, they were talking and trying to work out a problem. And the guy said, well, I'm not happy. And the other one said, well, I'm not happy either. And it's like, well, that's what negotiation is. Right. I mean, if you think about the earliest days of our democracy, right, mm -hmm. that's, how, that's how our government and our democracy was founded. It was negotiations between parties that had different interests. So it must be really difficult, given your proclivity and given what you believe. Today's political atmosphere must drive you crazy. Like it drives me crazy. <laughs> Well, I, I like to reframe things. So when I start to feel stressed or, or anxious or upset about something, I reframe it. And I say to myself, okay, this may be someone's view. That's how they perceive it. We all perceive things through our own experiences. Um, it doesn't make them wrong. And my views and perspectives don't make me necessarily right. And again, how can we... Come, come to a consensus or just agree to disagree, which sometimes that's the answer. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing today. And let me just editorialize for a moment, and I admit that I am. Um, and that we need that kind of thinking today because it seems like there are forces that want to take their beliefs and make them not just for their family and their children, but for all and so it limits freedom somehow. Right. Does that make sense? It does. I think, um, you know, the back in the day that we always like to talk about, right? The good old days. Oh, God, the good old days. Yeah, the yeah. good old days. Um, you know, our politicians had personal relationships between them, right? And mm -hmm. it didn't matter if they were Democrats or Republicans or independents or where they stood on the spectrum. Those personal relationships anchored them to each other's humanity, right? Yes. So that's how we see each other as being human, human is understanding who people are. Well, given your experiences on the board today, do you find people, do you find the board collaborative in that sense today? Um, I, I think that's an interesting question. No, I would say, <laughs> I think some of us are definitely have been trying yeah. um, to build 
to build that and and to create those personal relationships between us yes. even though we are all different yeah um but unfortunately when there are some people who don't want that um it really can create disruption yeah and a lot of ne- instability i would guess i mean i don't watch the board meetings i'll be honest with you yeah i retired from teaching (laughs) (laughs) very good very good very good so yeah so let's switch gears just a minute just a little bit but i love the collaborative nature of your conversation here and i really do hope that you know that that can be something that the entire country somehow relearns to do again because it seems to me we've lost quite a lot of that in recent years anyway joe yes <laughs> tell me a little bit about you where do you come from so uh i also was not born in boyertown i know that's something that a lot of people like <laughs> to have in their their candidate but uh i was born in or well, i was born in philadelphia but i grew up in malvern okay um, my brother and, uh, lives in that to, area yeah yep. i went to Gray valley high school and um Went to Westchester University to major in history and be a history teacher, which uh, there's a long convoluted route from from graduating with that degree and, and that intention to right. getting to where I am now and actually being a U.S. history teacher. Yeah. But um, I, I after uh, college, I married my wife, who was a teacher at Boyertown Junior High really? West. Really? Uh, and oh, cool. we moved to Limerick, which is right next door to Boyertown. And then as we started a family, we had two children, uh, our tiny little house in Limerick, which was lovely, uh, felt like it got a lot smaller. Yeah. So we moved, uh, we, we decided since uh, her working in Boyertown that we really liked this area and the school district. Uh, and we moved to Gilbertsville in 2015. What attracted you to the district? Um, you know, I, I would say... Just the fact that it had such a good reputation. We yes. loved that it had such a wonderful music program. Both my wife and I played music. Uh, me, not very well. Her, a lot better than um, <laughs> you're so, I was. You're so but, sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that it was an affordable place to live. You know, we, we looked in a lot of different areas. And, um, you know, because of the low taxes and the reasonable home prices, we were able to get a lot more for our money moving to Gilbertsville, even though it's you know, what, 15, 20 minutes down the road right. uh, from where we lived. It was a big difference in, in how right. much house and what kind of house right. we could afford. And I think you mentioned something that, you know, has been true for Boyertown School District for as long as I am aware, and that is the reputation. The reputation for solid academics, for good sports and music programs and art. You know, we have fantastic art department. And, of course, that's really, really important in keeping the value of our homes because, you know, realtors will tell you that people look for homes, just like you, in the Boyertown School District, you know, because the district has been, over decades, been very fiscally responsible. I can remember being, you know, involved in contract negotiations years ago, you know, and Boyertown was, you know, in the top two that kept their per-pupil ratio really low, you know, and um, that's why you were able to get more for your money. Yeah. And uh, part of that convoluted story okay. uh, that got to get, got to me being a U.S. history teacher was that uh, at that time I was a realtor, so I was my own realtor. No kidding. As, as representing myself. <laughs> oh, I see. Out, so, um, so, yeah, it was, the, it really was a, a very, I don't know, I, 
just a very nice place to live and the neighborhood was nice and the area is nice. My wife worked in, had worked in Boyertown for years at that point. And, you know, we knew that it was a good school district where my kids who weren't quite in school yet were going to go. And, and now they're both uh, at GES at Gilbertsville. Oh, that's uh, lovely. Third grade. That's lovely. That's lovely. So as a, as a student of history, did you talk politics at Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my family was not particularly politically involved. Okay. Um, they, you know, I, I don't remember a lot of talks about politics or voting and, and things like that. They were, I don't know, just sort of like, seemed too busy with work. And, you know, I grew up in a pretty blue collar family and everybody yeah. worked very hard. And, you know, politics was kind of frivolous. And, yeah. um, you know. So what got you involved now? Um, really, I, you know, when we moved here, um, you know, all of the good things we knew about the district, um, and it's a longer story, but, uh, right after we moved here, somebody knocked on my door, um, who was running for school board at the time. Who's that? Uh, Clay Brees. (laughs) Okay. So we had, uh, we had lived here maybe a week or two. Um, and he came and knocked on my door and introduced himself and said he was running for school board. And I thought, well, I don't really know anything about Boyertown School Board, uh, you know, except for, you know, how they negotiated the contract with my wife, who was a teacher here. Um, and I, you know, was kind of interested in what he had to say. And a lot of what he had to say wasn't too great. <laughs> um, his ideas were definitely not in line with mine. And that sort of led me to start paying attention to the school board and paying attention to what's going on. And the more I paid attention, the more I realized how really important the work that they do is and how a lot of people don't really recognize it until something big happens. Right. And we have a handful of these big events that gets everybody's attention to the schools, but the day-to-day work, um, or not maybe not day-to-day, but like the behind the scenes work of what they're doing really has a huge effect on the schools. and. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now the big positive. events that you mentioned, can you think of any? I mean, I know when I, I'm going to give you a minute to so, think about it. But um, I remember again when I was teaching. You know, every now and then it was like we've got to cut, <clears throat> we've got to cut stuff. We got to cut the art program. We got to cut the music program. We got to cut the libraries and the nurses and all those kinds of things. Were mm-hmm. those kinds of events? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I remember. I guess. I don't know what year it was. It was before we lived here, but I think it was 2011 or 12, somewhere in that area. There was, um, you know, a lot of trouble with the budget and things like music and art Mm -hmm. and sports um, seemed to be, you know, on the... On the line. On the line or at risk of of being, I don't know if totally cut, but curtailed. And, you know, it got a lot of people's attention. And Mm -hmm. I believe most of that was avoided by you know, some negotiations and things like that. But yeah. it really, uh, you know, really would have been sad. And I really yeah. don't want to see that happen again. Right. And yet, I mean, I'm old, senior citizen. And every time people talk about raising taxes, it, you know, I listen to that, you know. And I know that the district has always been prided itself on being fiscally responsible. But there are also people who make that their number one campaign pledge you know how do you want to talk about any of that sure go ahead yeah so um excuse me (laughs) um it's important to be fiscally responsible right so we have this um 
hundred and I want to say $37 million budget. It's very large. It is mostly taxpayer funded. Um, so taxpayers have an absolute right to be concerned about what's happening with their money and that it's being spent prudently. Um, I think you're right. Some people campaign solely on that, that I will be fiscally responsible. Well, if you sit on a board, um, a school board in this day and age, you better be fiscally responsible because there are a ton of mandates that are handed down from the state yes. and, they're un- and many of them are unfunded Yeah, and they're not, do we want to participate? These are, you must participate. Yeah. And there are costs that we cannot control. And I understand, I was talking to Donnie Savage, you know, prior to meeting with you today, who guessed that probably only 10% of that budget is open to negotiation. Yeah. Other, other, the other 90% are mandates from the state or the national government. Is that right? I would say that's pretty accurate. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, the biggest driver of our budget is always uh, salaries, right? But we need teachers. We need what what is the point of how do we educate children if we don't have the staff to do it? Right. So um, there are there are some real concerns right now with the funding mechanism, how schools will be funded in the future. Yeah. That's before the legislature. Um, and I think what people really need to understand is that, like you had said, school board members have such a small amount of money that they can actually play with. And we have cut pretty much to the bone. bone. I don't know where mm-hmm. else we are going to find savings. Yeah. Um, so at this point, we really need to start looking at advocacy. Is I I I just I feel very strongly that we need school board candidates that can advocate in Harrisburg because Harrisburg has to be the one to fix these problems. Right, right. They I'm, need yeah. They need. We are like forty uh, seventh, maybe. We are in the. We are one of the most lowest. under. Yeah, one of the lowest funded funded state. State. Yeah. Yeah. So we need more state funding. Yeah. And um, and I remember when I first started teaching, you know, it was close to 50% that the state would contribute. Yeah. That is no and I remember my <laughs> union rep at that point, union president just having fit to say it, you know, when the funding was cut substantially and that hasn't that hasn't changed. Right. And yeah. this is a Harrisburg issue on I mean, this is an absolute Harrisburg issue. So how do you feel about going to Harrisburg and advocating for? I, you know, I, I'm, I want to do what it takes to get the funding for the students. So, you know, that's really what it's all about for me. The, the job of the school board is to do the work to make sure that our students get the best possible education and the education that, that every student in the district deserves. So if that means I have to go... Uh, harass um, our state representative and our state senator um, and and speak to them, then that's fine. They're just people. Um, and they do a lot of talking about caring about that. Our, our state senator was just at a school board meeting, mm-hmm. I want to say a few weeks ago, a month ago. And, you know, she talked a lot about, you know, adequate funding. But the question that I was left with was, well, you spent two years in the state legislature as representative of part of the district. You're now a state senator. What are you doing 
to get that right. revenue up for right. our school district. Obviously, I'm here for Boyertown, but you know, there's 500 school districts in the state of Pennsylvania, and they all, every kid in all of them deserves that education. So, well, I need to mention also, you know, uh, Joe has created some videos on his <laughs> YouTube videos, right? So they are available not just on Facebook, they're available I, on YouTube, yes? I don't think they are on YouTube. I, I think I just posted them on my campaign Facebook page. Oh, okay. Well, then yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm not a techie. But if you want to know a little bit more about Joe and about his positions, I really, I mean, it was like, yes, you know, you talk about how important. Great schools are to great community and building students who are intelligent and will come back to Boyertown and offer their skills and abilities and lives to continue building a great Boyertown. I love that. And I, uh, the second one, I guess, was about parents and having rights. That that, and I loved when you said schools have nothing to hide. <laughs> I loved that line because what troubles me so very much is the distrust. Is the distrust, is the conspiracy attitude, is the, you know, like even even the phrase government schools or whatever. It's like, no, we have nothing to, we're not trying to change your children into some sort of something else. You know, we want to work with parents. Parents are partners. The saddest thing, like I said, was when parents didn't come to parent conferences and back to school nights and so forth. So I really liked your videos, is the point. And what was <laughs> good about them was they were short, but really to the point. It took, uh, it, <laughs> it took some editing to get them to be that short. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see. And there was a third one. Why don't I have that? Oh, equity. The, there was one that was about equity. Mm -hmm. And that, as you described it, is just recognizing that different people need different things, you know? Like one of my favorite graphic images that found on Facebook is the different children of different heights. And, you know, one of them can see over the fence without any, any help at all. The other little boy, you know, or whatever, girl, person, needed one box in order to see, and another one needed two. And that's what equity is. You give children what they need. That's all it is, is recognizing. Yes, and I mean, as a, as a teacher, as an educator, it's such like, I, it's just what you do. It's just Ex a part of it. And have always. And have always done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you taught long uh, yes. A little bit before my time <laughs> um, you started. So, you know, but teaching kids, different kids need different things. They need different explanations. Yeah. They need different resources. How do you think it's different today than maybe when I started back in the early 70s? Teaching? Yep. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, there's technology. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the all technology, that. I mean, I, so I've been teaching. Equity-wise. Um, I think the difference is I think there's more of a recognition of that. I think that in education, there's more of a recognition that I think it's always, it's always been for a long time that you had, you know, special ed students need, they need extra support, uh, whatever that looks like for their disability. But I think that has now gone on to all students, even regular ed students need different things. Some students are going to need a different set of instruction or a different way of having it explained to them yeah. for them to understand it. And that we need to differentiate that for everyone. Right, right. That's called equality. 
equity and treating yeah. people as individuals as opposed to they're all cookie cutter the same. They're not, you know, and that then leads into how much we need parents to help us understand their child and to help and help teachers understand what their children's special needs are. But you're right. It has expanded exponentially in terms of, you know, recognizing, dare I use the word woke, which only means being awake, you know, right? I woke up this morning. Okay. So you became aware, you aware of the differences, aware of the needs, aware of, uh, of, of what? Of, of opportunities and ways to meet their needs. Yeah. So one of the places that um, as a school board, we are we need to consider specific to Boyertown when we're talking about equity is the socioeconomic diversity of our district. Yeah. So, you know, we have, um, title one schools, which Mm -hmm. for those who may not know what a title one school is, it means that you have 30%, um, or more of your children, your students on free or reduced lunch. Um, and then title one schools get some additional, federal monies to help yeah to help educate those kids because studies show that um children who live at and below you know poverty lines that it's just more expensive to um educate Educate. them yeah so the federal government kicks in and, and helps out a bit um so the the three schools in our district that do not qualify i believe are gilbertsville new hanover Hanover, and bash and what? The high school. Uh, uh, high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, back in the day, it was like the kids who went to West yep. were one demographic. Right. The kids who went to East were another. And the, the elementary schools that fit into them. Right. Yeah. So when we're thinking about equity as a board um, and in the work we do locally, this is something we really have to consider is the, the resources that families have, how we can help families gain more resources, mm-hmm. and how we can support all of the children um, that we educate in our district. Um, and like Joe said, like meeting kids where they are, right? So that's, that's equity, meeting kids where they are and providing what they need. Um, so just I think that's an important part of that conversation. Yeah. And talking about conversation, another piece of one of your videos that I enjoyed was where you said, invited parents to let you know, what do you want to see more of? Do you remember saying that or did I make that uh, I don't think that was in one of the videos. I think it was one of my posts. I think it was, I don't think that was one of, I may have said it in one of the videos, but I know I had posted like, you know, I had kind of put out some of my ideas and, and I had put a post out to people saying like, what do you want to see? Or like, what are, what are you seeing? Because... I see, you know, I see different perspectives as a taxpayer, as a parent of my students, but I don't know what's going on necessarily in, say, Earl Elementary School. I don't, you know, I want to know what what people are seeing in different schools. And that feeds into your whole thing about listening to people, Mm -hmm. collaborating with people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've heard a lot about um, parents... Um, and partnering with teachers and parental rights, those rights have always been there and they haven't changed. Um, parents still have those rights. And, and I know as a school board member, I 100% support parents' rights to partner 
with their children's education, um, you know, to partner with teachers. If they have questions about curriculum, they should ask them and they should be answered. All of those things are important in understanding what your children is learn, what your child is learning, mm-hmm. and how you can support them. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's it, it's unfortunate that this has been politicized. Well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, because we know that children succeed when their parents are more involved. Very we know good. that's true. Yeah, you know, Very so good. we of course encourage. Now parents. I can't leave this conversation. Without mentioning, as a former English teacher, how horrible it is to think about banning books. Okay. And you had mentioned, and I just want to underscore and have you add to it, that there are protocols for parents who have a concern. There have always been, have always been protocols for parents to be involved to make sure that whatever it is their children are experiencing is in line with the family values. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So there are protocols in place. Parents are always welcome to come in to review things, to say, I don't want my child to receive this lesson. Um, And then they can get an alternative lesson. They're welcome to come in and review curriculum. I think this year we may have had very, very few that's true always. People, yeah, yeah, who yeah. who come in and are concerned about those things. Yeah. But but it is fair and it is right to provide space for parents who do have concerns Absolutely. to come in. And I think, you know, from the top on down, if we can make a statement like let's cut the I want to say crap. <laughs> let's cut it's the drama. Show. Let's cut the drama and get along. If we can insist on that top down with every single meeting that happens, with every single conference that happens, we'd go a long way. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think, again, it comes back to listening to each other. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, listening to each other, listening to um, what each other needs, meeting people where they are, maybe helping them understand a topic. And if if they just don't, agree or see things the way we see then we agree to disagree but we do have to keep in mind that parents again like i said earlier have an absolute right to be involved in their children's education and we want them to not only is it their right but we want to encourage that and we always have right yeah and we always have yes (laughs) i mean you know it comes back to that as a teacher that um you know every teacher i've worked with wants more parent involvement they want more parents involved because they know that, like, like Lisa had said earlier, that is a key to student success. Um, you know, there's plenty of students whose parents are not involved and are successful, but a lot of students don't succeed because their parents either can't or just don't want to get involved. And it's really not, you know, it's not how it should be. Yeah. Um, and no teachers want to shut parents out. I mean, you might be able to find some fringe example here or there around the country that somebody's going to blast all over Twitter, but... The majority of teachers are have been begging parents to be more involved for decades. Um, so I don't. I, that didn't change in the last few years. So let's let that be your bottom line, and let's let collaboration and communication be your bottom line. But is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation that you want the public and your voters to know about you? I would. I have a. 
Yeah. A few things. Do you mind? No, go ahead. You, okay. you can start. Yeah. Yay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am currently a social work student at Millersville University. And I feel that it's really important that we are looking at ways to improve student mental health. And, you know, yes, yeah, mental health is definitely being has been impacted by COVID. Yes. But it, it, it has only been exacerbated by COVID. Yes. Yeah. So mental health among young people was already declining for over a decade before COVID happened. Yes. Um, and this is something I think that we're really we're working on. I know our administration is dedicated to it, but, um, is your, are your colleagues on the board dedicated to that as well? I I mean, there hasn't been a lot of conversation about that, but part of being dedicated to that is making sure the funding is available for it. Right. So we are getting funding from the state, from governor Shapiro, who, um, but, making sure that these things are prioritized, you know, yeah. counselors in school, that we have enough guidance counselors, that we have enough social workers, that we have enough school psychologists. All these things are really, really important. Um, and children can't learn when they're not feeling well, whether when, that's physical when or afraid. mental. afraid. Right. Yeah. You know, learning doesn't happen. In chaos. No. No. Yeah. One, one situation school has to be every classroom has to has to be safe learning environment yes they have to be safe coming to school from their homes and feeling safe safe from one another Mm -hmm. bullying issues and whatnot just safe from their from their teachers who value and respect them for who they are no matter what it is right right yeah all those safety features what I, I, I read recently um, on Facebook, you know, some, some guy who wrote a book, you know, about there's an IQ and EQ and SQ and AQ. I think he made it up. <laughs> but it was about adversity quotient. Oh, yeah. And developing the, res- and all it is is what we know from way back when as resilience. Yep. You know, being able to confront problems and ha- be able to, be able to feel safe in sharing what's going on and then having the resources to research, analyze, uh, compare and contrast, evaluate, and figure out the best path forward. But it takes a certain awareness, a wokeness again. It takes an awareness of what what part of that to be resilient. Well, part of that um, is what our social emotional learning curriculum teaches exactly. students. Exactly. Yeah, and I know that that is um, kind of like I don't I don't want to say a trigger word for some people nowadays. Oh, um, it is. It, it, people yeah. read it as some manipulative communistic. Right. Th- Which I think it's is ridiculous. I I'm think sorry. it's a misunderstanding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will call it crap. You don't have to. <laughs> I think it's a misunderstanding of what social emotional learning is yeah. and what it's used for. Yeah. Um, so I think you know the, our board will be presenting on social emotional learning at our next meeting so it would be a great opportunity for the community to listen in very good and when is that um i want to say it's may 9th but very you can definitely good. check on the um very check good on the school board calendar very yeah good. very important yeah because of what i also read from that gentleman and i know this to be true from other research that you know you can have an eye high iq but if your emotional quotient and your social quotient are not equally as strong you will not do as well 
as someone with a lesser IQ. So it's important to build it all. Right. Success, you need many factors to come together to be successful, right? And part of that, especially in today's workforce, is understanding people. Yeah. Understanding how to collaborate. Understanding how to work with people. Um, And that is part of what, another part of what social emotional learning is teaching our children. Um, Those are important lessons. Yeah. We could talk forever, I yeah. think. One more thing, if you oh, don't mind. Oh, no, go. Yeah. Um, so when I think about social-emotional learning, I always think about that phrase, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Right? I love that. I love that, too. But here is something um, I think is important. We, right now, currently, in Boyertown, have a full-day preschool program that's grant-funded, and when children leave that program, that full day program, they enter into our half day, day kindergarten, kindergarten program. Wow. Yeah. So I answered a question recently about if there was no budgetary concern, what would be one thing that I would want to bring, like that I would want to put forth and have happen in the district? And it would be a full, day, full kindergarten. day kindergarten. Yeah. Because I think Again, coming back to how elastic the brain is at that age, coming back to how children learn, how they really develop a love of curiosity, right? That's what we're teaching. You should be a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love that you're a school board member, but you sound like a magnificent teacher. (laughs) Yeah, so that would be my one thing is full day kindergarten. And I think it's really a priority that the board needs to start working towards. Very good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah, thank you. Joe, any final thoughts? Uh, you know, Lisa covered a lot of it. Uh, but, I mean, for me, the reason why I'm doing this is oh. for the students. Um, you know, that, that should be the guiding light for everything that the board does. Um, and I know a lot of board stuff does not, it doesn't have a direct connection. You know, sometimes they have to talk about facilities and water plants at the <laughs> right. elementary school. But even that, if you take a step back, that is for the students. The students deserve clean running water at the school. And if there's a problem with how the water is being delivered, then that's something we need to address for the students. Um, so for me, really, I feel as though at times the board in the previous few years is not not focused on what is best for the students. And you brought up fiscal responsibility earlier and fiscal responsibility, obviously nobody wants their taxes to go up and I don't wanna raise anybody's taxes, but fiscal responsibility, if the only thing you're thinking about is how do I keep taxes low, then you're not really being fiscally responsible because fiscal responsibility is about how are we using the funds that we have available and how are we you know, deciding to spend this money to the best effect for the students. Um, and I've seen it, you know, we're, we've cut programs. We cut middle school language a few years ago. We don't have home ec at the middle schools anymore. Um, and, you know, these are things, these are small things, but they make a big difference. And, you know, students deserve that. I had two years of foreign language and four languages to choose from when I was in middle school. And I don't think that it's right that my children will possibly have zero. Wow. That's news since I left. I'm sorry to hear that, but that is fantastic, and I don't even want to open this can of worms, but so what are school board meetings talking about that aren't related to school, and maybe you don't want to go there, and that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just, it's a lot of, um, you know, it's a lot of, like, it seems like petty 
squabbles okay. and personal problems and political things. You know, it took, okay. I'm sure Donna probably brought this up, but, you know, they spent three meetings talking about the calendar. They spent 20 minutes talking about the $137 million budget. Um, wow. And, you know, those wow. should probably be flipped. Yes. Very good. Very good. Thank you both so much for this very enlightening conversation. And I hope, I wish you the best. And um, once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.